at that time. So every, every time <laughs> that someone's uh, world throughout history, they had, and it's not a glo universally or a uniformly global. The zeitgeist, we're going to be more, talk about more in more relevant terms, is the zeitgeist in America, the zeitgeist in the United States. Um, these are just some of the things that Chris uh, uh, touched on last week. I'll reinforce those now. Paradox of unheard wealth uh, and anxiety and fear. The paradox is um, the elevated living standards, the access to, to wealth and opportunity is unparalleled in the, in the world today. Certainly, the United States is a poster uh, child of this. Yet, yet it's not, it's not necessarily translating to the kind of feeling of peace, security, um, just uh, the, the kind of a, a general fulfillment <laughs> in life. There's, there's uh, anxiety even with, with much material gain. Um, and, and then, of course, you have the things like the, the wealth gap, right? The, the, the gap, the, the growing gap between those that have wealth and those that do not. And, of course, that's a spectrum, just like there's a spectrum between the education gap, those that are more highly educated, those that are, that are not. So, but these gaps seem to be widening, and it's causing all kinds of disturbances within our social consciousness. Deep cynicism and distrust in institutions. Uh, cynicism is, I guess, I guess cynicism has always been around, kind of a real, real uh, pessimistic skepticism kind of a very distrusting attitude, but it's, it's definitely uh, um, at an elevated uh, state these days, in institutions in particular. Uh, people want to challenge them, they want to, to re remake them, whether it's political institutions, educational institutions, um, religious institutions. So the institutions are kind of the, the structure, the bedrock on which Civilized society continues from generation to generation, passing on the legacy of those institutional beliefs and ideals. But they're all, there's a lot of distrust today. And varies from, from person to demographic to demographic. Uh, another one is false spirituality. False spirituality. A, lot, a growing, a growing uh, phenomenon. It's, all, it's always been there to some extent. But a growing phenomenon is people rejecting institutionalized religion. Re and again, I'll, this is, varies over the world, but here in the United States, people, people want to claim that they're spiritual. They want to claim they're spiritual, but there's no real substance. There's no, there's no meat on that skeleton. But they feel comfortable. They, it comforts their insides. But you know what's one of the biggest dangers of being uh, of, of just claiming a spirituality is it it it, it does a um, uh, an end run around the idea that you're accountable to someone above uh, that that transcends you. A spirituality is, is is a comfort food for your soul, but it do, it it rejects the notion that you're going to stand before a divine being and give an account of your life. Soon as you press people on that, then they, they, they get all kind of wishy-washy and nervous because 
They just want to have this sense that they're, okay, I'm spiritual. I'm not, I'm not just about money or just about, you know, physical things. But it's, uh, but conversely, conversely, there are those that reject even the spiritual, like, the, like there's more than just the physical world. And science is the, the, great, the great hope. It's been the great hope for a long time. But people just say the real truth can be the exactitude of science. What we can measure, what we can get data from, what we can, you know, make, make our uh, uh, theories and, and, and explanations of the real world. The world of reality is strictly a scientific world. And it's, re it's really a hollow, it's so hollow. Now, science is, is a gift of God, as with all the other various uh, disciplines that help us understand our world and interpret it. It's a gift of God, but then, but it's one gift. It's one gift that operates on one dimension, and and, and it's to, to use to coin to just say the phrase. It's very good at physics. It's not good at all at metaphysics. So it's not going to talk about the meaning, the purpose, the original, the the ultimate origin, or the ultimate destiny of things. It's just kind of the same repeatable data, things that can be, you know, shown. And even those theories change over time, oftentimes, based on the same data. They come up with a better explanation. But uh, that's not to denigrate that world of science or that discipline, whatever it is. But it's to simply say that's not going to, to, to be what our, the bedrock of how we understand and interpret reality on. And then um, lack of meaning and purpose is kind of related to previous points. Um, everybody, everybody wants to autom automatically, kind of naturally, without a whole lot of conscious thought, although conscious thought you know, can be really part of the situation too, seeks to have developed their own meaning and purpose. Many of these things are, are perennial issues. Okay, but in our time, in our zeitgeist, we have, you know, health. There's a, the, the heading there is underlying issue, a false idea of blessings. A fall, is health a, a fall, is, is health a bad thing? Is health a false idea? No. Health, generally speaking, is a good thing. In fact, just about all of these things, in and of themselves, properly understood, properly put in perspective, are good things, or can be, can be good things. The point here is not like, hey, all this stuff is bad, we just got to be kind of like, you know, like spiritual people or something like that. The point is a, an, an over-preoccupation, maybe a more extreme, uh, uh, an obsession with sub such things. Things that make it more, from a Christian point of view, from a Christian point of view, things such as on this list that become more important than your day-to-day -day walk with God and growing in the grace and understanding, knowledge, and, and application of, of life with, as a Christian within the body of Christ, within your own communion with God. These things are not uh, uh, talked about health. It's uh, the preoccupation with, with just the, this youth want, want to stay uh, young forever. <laughs> you know, the whole, you know, nothing against trying to maintain, you know, decent health and fitness and, and appearance, all that's fine, you know. 
My, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be a lot. <laughs> my parents would be a lot less, a lot more slovenly than it is. I can assure you. I'm grateful for her for that. But um, but it's it's this overemphasis, attractiveness, trying you know the, what cosmetic surgery can can preserve for you, uh, for into your you know as late as late as you want. Wealth and possessions. Again, we're not talking about these are evils. We're talking about where they command. Too much importance in our life. Our mind and our heart are just kind of always thinking. And that, that's what, if, if, if someone outside of us, such as God, were to look at, it, look, at, look at our way our mind and heart is operating day to day, God would see, well, this is what this person cares about most. <laughs> right? So that, that's the idea. So you see that these things are not, it's not the outside, it's not the, the, the thing it's, it's what it is, our relation to it with respect to our heart. Status and pre prestige. Leisure and pleasure. Um, you know, I don't have to, these are self-explanatory. I know in, uh, when I was in Indonesia, when me and my wife were in Indonesia, there's a, a Christian uh, school that uh, all the expats and, and, and other kids in the area uh, went to, Espeha High School. It's an evangelical Christian school. Um, if, I'm, if memory serves, a, uh, the uh, middle school kids were surveyed, you know, what, what do you aspire to, you know, as you uh, look forward to your future, your, your grown-up future or young adult future? They wanted to be YouTube influencers. YouTube influencers. Now, I'm not, you know, again, you, you, I, I may wind up uh, seeming to just belabor it a bit, it's not like, okay, YouTube is evil. It's just that that's their obsession. That's, what they're, they, they, that's, that's what's going to give them their identity. That's what's going to give them their place. Okay? Um, but you don't have to be a, a middle schooler to have that. Just the whole idea of uh, being a celebrity. Making, now it's easier with social media and all that to create your own celebrityness, right? You know, through TikTok, whatever. You got all kinds of crazy sites out there that you can become, you know, and, and you know, a lot of them are just quite, uh, uh, quite immoral. You know, I'm not, I'm not even referring to rank pornography, just the way that people, you know, uh, uh, make a, create their own fame through whatever way they want to do that. Um, personal autonomy, okay, uh, you define you. Chris talked about this, you define you, you. Decide what you want to, you know, from, from in, the, in the more obvious headline cases, or not headline, but cultural uh, awareness of choosing your own gender and so forth. But you don't even have to go to those examples. You just have, it's the whole idea that you are choosing you, and uh, it's even more than just the captain of your own destiny, the captain of your own ship. Um, Extraordinary experiences. I, I have up there, just when I was typing this out, I'm like, okay, yeah, we got the really dramatic experiences, such as there's actually a queue, a queue for the SpaceX launch to Mars. Like, there's a whole waiting list. People have paid their money, and they're, they're in the list. Now, space travel and all that, again, I'm not, I'm not like, anti that as, as, as a, in principle. In principle. But... But uh, remember the, ti the, 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 the submersible that went to see the Titanic? Right, $250,000 per person to go down. So you had a lot of wealthy, not, I think some of, one of them was a pilot and a scientist. They weren't just of the, 
wealthy set. But you had a, a number of, of people in the wealthy set there paying that money. One, one, one father from India was treating his son on a birthday. And tragic. It's a tragedy. I'm not making any uh, uh, minimizing that. It's a tragedy in its own right. But the whole idea was you're, you define your, your existential exist, you know, life, what your life counts for by these experiences that you can gain. Even on a more superficial level, I was listening to NPR uh, driving up uh, recent, this last week, and you have this phenomena uh, because of the, we're past the pandemic now for the most part, but, doing, but the lingering effects of that are still carrying on. I'm not talking about the virus per se. The lingering effects in people's mentalities, and they were saying that a lot of people had this pent up pent up, uh, you know, they couldn't do too much over the two and a half years or whatever of the pandemic. Um, things were restricted. They, they, at its height, you know, you couldn't have much mobility at all. People felt just really restricted. They couldn't spend and, and, and have experiences. So they have this pent up uh, desire to, now that the pandemic is for the, by and large, uh, say more, much more safe, they're splurging on just these experiences, even with the, the younger demographic. The, uh, um, you know, there was a, they were talking about a guy who spent $15,000, a guy, well, $15,000 following Beyonce around on her concert tour. And, and they interviewed him and said, why? Well, because, because I couldn't do any of this stuff, you know, during the pandemic, and now I just kind of, you know, I just want to let it all go, you know? Um, that's maybe an interesting phenomenon because of the pandemic and all that, but it's just the idea that altogether, altogether, you have this, this, this pent up, the experiences, extreme things and all that, kind of validating your life, you know, like you're having a, a real life, not a, you know, not kind of a stale existence. And it's, it's what you yearn for. It's what you seek. Um, but what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say about the blessed life? That's most important, right? That's most important. Now, we're, if you would, read with me. We'll, just, we'll, we'll do it at a good pace. But let's read completely the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of God, heaven belongs to them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And finally, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things, but you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, because your reward is great in heaven. Now, I mean, Beatitudes, just even if you had a, you, you've, you've, you've heard it in sermons or you've heard it in, in messages. I mean, there, it's kind of a, 
it strikes you, it kind of moves you, even if you're not exactly sure what, what it all is saying. It's like, wow, what a beautiful kind of list. I'm talking from a Christian perspective, from a Christian perspective. But do any of these things, any one of them, any one of them have anything to do with any of these or anything else that's on the, the list of what our culture and our world prizes, puts premium value on, advertises and solicits your attention to say, that's what I need. That's what I have to go after. That's what I have to invest in. None of the Beatitudes have anything to do with this, or let me just use, say it in more general terms, with worldly values. None of them. So, and that's qualified, as I already said, that in and of themselves, um, this is not a list of evil, <laughs> but it is a list. It actually, if maybe I'll restate it now, it is a list of evil. If any of these things traffic more importance in your heart than, than your relationship with the living God. Yes? Could they be called idols? Sure. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, um, they sure can. And, and idols come in all shapes and sizes. Some are material, some are um, immaterial. Um, mostly it's, it's just the values that, that, that take, really, you're a, you don't even realize you're a slave to in your heart, but, but you are. Um, now, so th let, let me just briefly go through a little bit of, I don't want to just read the, read the Beatitudes and then say, okay, isn't that interesting and, and, and powerful in an inspirational way? and then kind of move on. Let's, let's, let me unpack it here for a few minutes. Because it, they, they, it, is, it is Holy Scripture. This is, uh, I, remember, I was watching, uh, maybe many of you have seen the series, The Chosen. And you may remember that when Jesus gave this sermon in the, uh, 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 the show, and he was, <laughs> I mean, they had this big kind of setup. You know, I know this is a dramatic license here with the, with the show. But they had this setup where, you know, Jesus is he's, he's in the background, like behind the scenes. And then he walks up this walkway and then he comes out, you know, and the big crowd's all sitting on the, on the grass and everything. And, and it's kind of like, like, ta-da, the, the, the master is here giving his message. And, uh, but it was the Beatitudes that, he, he, that they keyed in on there. Um, let's take the first one, poor in spirit. What I have here is a little, little chart that says, a, a very simplified, to be sure, simplified definition, uh, antithetical vice. That is to say, what's the opposite of that? What's the opposite of what, I, what, the, what the Beatitudes say? Counterfeit vice. Counterfeit's not the same as antithetical. Antithetical is exactly the opposite. Counterfeit is what people are oftentimes substitute, or maybe in their own deceived or you know, false kind of uh, spiritual way substitute for what the real virtue is that Christ is, is pointing to. And of course, there's a promise with each one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the, for they shall, right, for each one. Now, uh, spiritual poverty, definitely spiritual poverty. You have nothing to bargain with for God's favor, for his love, for his forgiveness, for his blessing. 
You, have, you don't bargain with God. You don't, you don't contribute. You don't perform for God. To use the, uh, or an old phrase from David Brooks, uh, the, the Achievatron mentality. You know, if I can, you know, if I attain this, if I get to this place, uh, God will grant me, that, like me that much more. <laughs> I know when uh, my wife's from uh, Singapore, um, and her family background, not her, but I mean, not, not, she's a, a Christian, but her family background's Hindu. And, and a lot of their practices, with a lot of religion, I'm only citing that because, you know, it's an easy example for me to use, but you're currying the favor of the gods. You're currying the favor of the gods by offering different sacrifices, performing different rituals and rites, by, um, you know, making sure you... You, you, you try to do, you know, in your mind, well, I'm, I'm going to try to do something good uh, and, and, you know, kind of wipe out things I'd done that weren't so good. So, but you're always trying to curry the favor with blessing, success in your business, success in your well-being, success in whatever. And so we don't, as Christians, we don't curry God's favor. We don't. We are to walk in trust and obedience, Yes. Yes. Does God, is God, what does Jesus say in, in, in this very context? Not in the verses we read, 3 through 12, but in this longer context. God takes care of the birds of the field, uh, birds of the air, and the lilies of the field, how he clothes them. How much more will your Father take care of you? And it's, but it's not because, well, okay, yes, I'm, I'm doing this much spiritual disciplines. Um, I'm really trying to be extra active in church. Um, I, I've been maybe inactive, but if I get more active, then God's going to really kind of say, okay, good job. Okay, now, now I'll give you a booster of blessing. It, it just doesn't work that way because he's not, we didn't, we didn't come to our salvation that way, and we don't live in our salvation that way. Um, Spiritual, uh, spiritual wealth. So spiritual poverty, again, kind of the, you're bankrupt before a pure and holy God. So you receive from him, but you don't try to earn from him. Or say, okay, God, you do your part, and I'll contribute my part, and it'll be maximum. It doesn't work that way. Spiritual worthlessness is the some sort of where you, you just feel you know, you're a worm. <laughs> or, or, you know, you're just, you're just of, of utter value. The fact of the matter is, our salvation is, is, is based on the fact that God, out of a motivation of love, became human and gave his life for us. So, uh, no matter where you're at on the spectrum of life, uh, you are as prized in value, as, as he says in the Old, used the phrase in the Old Testament, a, a treasure, a treasure unto the Lord. Um, mourn. The, the idea of mourning is to, to, to grieve for what God grieves. Not the, not the uh, uh, counter, the, the opposite, which is more of an um, emotional sentimentalism. God's not, God, godliness, if you're sentimental, that's, I got no problem, you know, I'm not picking on that. But that's not godliness. Sentimentalism isn't godliness. Grieving for the things that, that God grieves for, the way I like to say it is, loving what God loves, hating what God hates, 
None of us do that perfectly. I sure don't. But I know that that's like, okay, Lord, help transform me so that you're changing me with the life I still have. You're changing me so that I'm learning to love what you love and hate what you hate. Not with a pharisaical, pharisaical self-righteous hatred, but with the kind of heart where, where God, God mourns for those, that, uh, including not just what he hates, but the least and the lowliest. The least and the lowliest of our world, of our community, of, our, of where our lives intersect. Um, meek, radical dependence on God. Radical dependence on God. Not a self-resignation. Not a self-resignation. Oh, uh, you know, like Eeyore in the, you know, in the Winnie the Pooh series. Not, like, not a self-resignation, but a real radical dependence. Every aspect of your life is not just during crisis, not just when, 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 when the stuff hits the fan, but day to day, day to day. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, a desire for the holistic peace, security, rest in God based on God's truth, based on God's, uh, the nature of God, what, what is good and right and pure and holy according to God's uh, uh, definition. Uh, a desire for that, to grow into that, to become more like that, to say it's related to what I said earlier, you, you love what God loves, you hate what God hates, to, to see that, like your heart's changing to become more like that. Merciful, compassionate pursuit of righteousness. Not just standing for the truth, purely. We should stand for the truth, but compassionate pursuit of righteousness. Not a misplaced empathy. An empathy that's not, based, not according to biblical values, but just kind of, you know, the, uh, the, a, lot of, a lot of these... Uh, uh, Communities today, online communities or actual uh, in-person communities, they're, they're, looking, they're drawn together because of empathetic spirits. Empathetic spirits, okay? And, and empathy can be very, very good, but misplaced empathy, when it's not based according to God's values and, and God's interpret, uh, discernment of things, is, 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 is dangerous. Pure in heart, ordered affections... Ordered affections. Many of these things here, and the opposite is disordered affections. There's an old term, uh, and back to our, our representative list, certainly not exhaustive, an old term called inordinate affections. Inordinate. It means excessive, uh, dis disordered, uh, um, out, of, out of bounds. Out of, out of proper bounds, the way God prescribed and designed things. So, so the idea here is to have our affections ordered in a way that conforms to the, to, to the biblical, biblical values and the nature of God. Peacemakers, facilitators of shalom. Facilitators of shalom. Again, that holistic, holistic way of being right with God, Right with people, in right relationship, I mean. In right relationship with God, in right relationship with people, in right relationship with creation. Um, not simply politeness or being nice. Being nice is, is a heck of a lot better than just being, you know, kind of a mean, unkind person. Sure. 
manners, politeness, all that, have you know, good upbringing, teaching your children, you know, great. But the virtue is not simply being nice and, and, and you know, having a good genteel manner or something like that. What we see is even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, the Beatitudes are not the first indication of where Jesus is giving a sense of what it means to be blessed by God. It doesn't just show up uh, out of the blue in the New Testament. Of course, the whole continuity with God revealing himself in the Old Testament is, um, uh, has a direct relationship to it. But just some basic points. The first couple have to do with where God chose Abraham and said, from you, from you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed out of your, your line, your, your lineage. Now this, it's not um, maybe accented in the book, but really this is a covenantal blessing. God's making a covenant with Abraham. He's not just saying, okay, my, my man Abraham, do as I say, and, you know, um, look, I'm going to bless the heck out of you. I mean, it's more than that. It's God binding himself to Abraham and say, I will be your God. You, starting with you, <laughs> you will be my people. And there's, and, and there's promised blessing. Promised blessing. Ultimately, that's fulfilled in Christ. So, so you do have this this idea of, of blessing, but it's more of a, in, of a covenantal structure. Um, Psalm 1, Psalms, Blessed is the man uh, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who stands not um, with the, in the way of sinners and does not sit with scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he will meditate day and night. So the law of the Lord is the Torah, the Torah of the Old Testament, the, 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 what, was, what was codified in the Mosaic law, the law of Moses that was passed down and all the right the Psalms, the wisdom literature, all what the, what the Jews called the, their Hebrew, Hebrew scriptures, the Hebrew Bible, we, as Christians we call it the Old Testament because it's been fulfilled now in the New Testament. But um, so, so there was the idea that that loving God, loving the law, the word of God, is, richly, is, is, is a rich blessing to you. Um, again, it's not like, okay, well, I've got to read the Torah. Um, I'll, I'll, do it. I'll try to squeeze it in 60 minutes. It's not the, the performance of it. It's you're meditating. You don't meditate on something unless, unless you, it, it, it's consistent with your heart. With your heart. Again, even like with personal devotions. Which, great, I'm not, none of these things, it's always a matter of the heart. It's not like, okay, I gotta, I gotta spend this much time in prayer, this much time in, 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 in reading some of the Bible or, or whatever. Like, if your heart's not like, I wanna get to, uh, I wanna draw close to God, draw close to God, trying to listen, trying to, to give Him my petitions, my thoughts, my struggles, my, my praises. Uh, I wanna grow day by day here and there in God's word. This is, a, this is from our heart to know God, not to perform for him. So, so even in the Old Testament, that blessing is always, that, that, that same principle is, is, is involved. Blessing of wise, of wise living in the wisdom literature, Proverbs, 
Ecclesiastes throws a wrench in it by saying, look, not, you can't just do, do these things like an equation. You live a good life and you're going to be maximally blessed, and you live a bad life, you're going to be maximally cursed. The world has fallen and God's ways are, are, are mysterious. He doesn't consult us before he does things. So uh, wisdom isn't, isn't formulaic, but it is the principles of path of life or a path of death. The path that leads to life, I should say, or the path that leads to destruction or foolishness. So, so generally speaking, <laughs> the path that leads to, to life leads to God's blessing for the, for the believer. Um, those that are blessed without, without believers, well, that, that, that's, that's a blessing that could actually be a curse because they, they may feel they don't need God. They got everything they need. Uh, blessing as resisting evil and secular ideas, the prophets. Again, this is more of a covenantal thing. In other words, why do you think Israel was in uh, exile? Was exiled uh, multiple times. Multiple times. First the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the, the media uh, Persians. Multiple times they, they were under the empire of, uh, and, and out of their promised land. Well, because, because they violated the covenant that God, the national covenant, the national covenant that God made with them. They, they didn't just violate it because they weren't perfect. No, as a people and the leaders of the people, they, were, they committed spiritual adultery. They literally said, God, you're not good enough. We want to be like the people around us. Hence, we should, when we read the Old Testament, make sure we're sensitive enough in our mind to say, man, how can those dummies... Just, I mean, they, they saw God bring them out of the, out of the, uh, the uh, delivered from Pharaoh, crossed the Red Sea. They, they, they saw how he preserved them and defeated their enemies. How could they build a golden calf? <laughs> you know, so many days later, when, once they get to the foot of Mount Sinai, and Moses disappeared for 40 days. And they're like, well, I guess, you know, he's, no, <laughs> what's the saying? Uh, out of sight, out of mind, let's build a golden calf. So, but... To our sensibilities, we have to say, rather than be critical, say, you know what? It's easy. It's easy when we take our, our, our mind, our heart off the Lord, to quickly be drawn into things that are, are really uh, idols, to use Tom's uh, contract, become idols to us. Okay, so, so, uh, so their exile was because they, they committed spiritual adultery. But... but uh, but again, it's, it's in a, a living relationship with the Lord. Now this, read, let, let's read, there's a bunch of, it's a, it's a busy, busy slide, but let's read the, the title first. The Beatitudes Reveal Our Sin, Pretense and How Short We Fall of Divine Affection. You're like, really? I just thought the Beatitudes were like, blessed is they who mourn, blessed are the peacemakers. Well, where's it revealing our sin? Because... Who among us is truly poor in spirit? Who among us trusts in God all the time, perfectly and purely in life's lowest moments? Who among, where's the meek man or woman purely, undefiled? Who among us, how often do we really and consistently and, and sincerely hunger and thirst for righteousness? Who among us is merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker? How many of us are persecuted for the sake of righteousness? Not because we, we, we can be obnoxious at times, or not because we can be potentially bad neighbors, or not because we cut someone off in traffic, but for righteousness. Now, I stand with all of us here. 
because none of us can say, well, I'm, I got three out of five. <laughs> we, we don't, we're, we're none of it, you know? We're, we're zero. So our, the starting point is, what's, what's that, I love that verse in, in uh, uh, Peter uses, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So our starting point is to, is to humbly say, wow, God is call, God's blessing is predicated, or the blessing Jesus is talk about, talking about is predicated on these godly virtues, these attributes that reflect God's nature, his heart. And, and there are moments in my life when I'm reflecting that too. Because I do seek to walk with the Lord. I do seek to, to not only be blessed, but to be a blessing. And there's plenty of moments when we're honest, where we say, nope, <laughs> nope, I'm not reflecting that. So our starting point is always, well, I'm pretty good, you know, getting there. No, our starting point is, I, none of us can perform our way to achieving these things. Uh, my quote, uh, at, the, at the end of this passage, the, verses, the Beatitudes was verses uh, 3 through 12. But look at the end in verse 48, same chapter, same chapter, Jesus concludes with, um, you, you therefore, to, to the whole mob of people that he's talking to, you therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, okay, I got it. I'll get right on that. I'll get right on that. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pure and holy standard from a pure and holy God. Now, that doesn't mean we're hopeless, it's the dependency. Remember, I like that one uh, point about meekness. Radical dependency on God. That, 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 that does not the, uh, not the counterfeit vices that we can kind of gin up on our own or maybe have a certain temperament for. Uh, he's kind of a peaceful person. He's, he's not a hothead he's, or she's not you know, too contentious. Like we can, some of it is our natural temperament and giftings, and that's fine. Like if we say, oh yeah, he's, he's real cool-headed, level, whatever. But we're talking about going from just natural uh, attributes to real spiritual attributes. Natural attributes, which all of us have in different measures and different ones, to real spiritual attributes. Okay, that's the key. That is the key. And that's the work that God does. He already gave you your personality, your temperament, your, your station, your situation, context in life as part of your, physical, you know, your biological life. Your spiritual life is he's changing your heart. Uh, let me skip this. Let me... Um, and some points here. The blessed life, the blessed life is realized in Christ. Not external from the world or from our own talent and drive and ambition or whatever. That's not how, how you realize the blessed life. Even though having talent or drive or ambition can be a very good thing by itself. But that's not the, the pathway to the blessed life. Just a sampling of these verses. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. None of that represents that short list, that representative list of what the world is saying, you got to have be this, or you got to have this, or you got to do this. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be full, may, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. 
not circumstantial happiness. Wow, life's going really great now. I, just, I got this windfall of this, or uh, I'm really as healthy as I, I uh, that you know exercise regime I did. I'm feeling great. All that's just on the surface. My brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials. So not the good life, which is uh, no ripple on the pond, but even when the stormy waves come, come and buffet against us, that you may know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, let endurance have its perfect effect, so that you will be, like remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5:48, so that you will be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. That is an expanded version of Jesus said, be ye perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. What is that? He's talking about the, the, the shaping and transformation of our character. The shaping and transformation of our character that's rooted in our uh, being a disciple of Christ, that's rooted in, 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 in walking with God, not just trying to be more patient on our own or, or what have you. Um, so, that, so, so, so James' point here, like he's developing, these things take time. But as you depend on God, as you humble yourself before God and say, good, keep working on me. I'm work in progress. Keep the progress going. <laughs> and, and help me to, be, to keep looking at you. Not, not the things that are good or bad in my life, circumstantially, as what affects me. That, that, those things are, should not be barometers of your joy or my joy. The, the externals. Well, barometer of our joy and peace, as, as what uh, he says next here, is, is, in a, is rooted in our consistent walk with the Lord, keeping our eyes on him in all things. Do not be anxious in everything, uh, in anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So you're praying to God. Your you're, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, all of that to get you, it's directed to God. That's our focus. The peace of God will guard your hearts and mind. None of this is, 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 is based on the values of this world or external circumstances. It's our, our, our rest. Blessed is the man who uh, delights in the law of the Lord. Well, Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. So our delight now is not in simply the Torah. Our delight now is in the law of the Lord embodied in the Lord. <laughs> in the Lord. Um, and then he, he finishes in uh, verse 9 of Philippians there, uh, chapter 4. When you have learned and, received and, uh, learned and re received and heard and seen in me, what you have learned and, and received, heard and seen, practice these things. So yes, there's a call to obedience. It's not just, you know, like mental, mental exercises or, or even internal spiritual exercises. There's a call to, to, be, to walk and be obedient. Um, I, I put that verse, uh, Psalm 4, 7 to 9, 8, because Bob preached on that last week, and I thought, yeah, the, the Old Testament, it has its own way of, of reinforcing the same point. You make me happier. This is Psalm of David talk, praying to the Lord, singing to the Lord. You make me happier than those who have abundant grain and wine. I will lie down and sleep peacefully for you, Lord. Make me safe and secure. It's, our, it's our, our, our vital relationship with the Lord. And the last thing I want to kind of wrap up here, I put this because I love this verse in John 17, 3. When you say, hey, could you tell me as a Christian, what is eternal life? 
The answer should not be you live, you, you simply, your body doesn't die anymore. You get a new body and a new soul and you just live forever. That is not eternal life. That's a consequence or, or, or the blessing that flows from eternal life is that is knowing you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ you have sent. Yes, you will live forever with a new body and a completely purified soul. You will as a follower of Christ. But eternal life is the fact that we get to share in the love that the Father and the Son have together and, and, and we're brought into what, what you know, theologically you would say the triune life of God, the life between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're brought into that in an eternal state. Here we, we dabble with it and struggle with it. But eternally, that's eternal life. So the blessed life, in the sense that Christ talks about it, is the increasingly work in progress, not do you have it or you not have it, the increasingly realized gift of God's loving embrace and identity in Christ that experiences life as it ought to be, as in heaven, uh, as in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So lofty, too far above any of us to say, I think I got a handle on this. I can do this. Let's not start there. Let's, and let's not even say, yeah, I want to get really good at this now. I, I guess, I guess uh, you know, JK reminded me some things I should, I should work harder at. Let's not think those terms. Let's say, Lord, make, I, I am, I am your, your child. I am your servant. <laughs> I, want, I want to know you deeper, and, and I want to live, reflect you more in my life. And these, these, all those different Beatitudes, God has a way of building them, developing them, cultivating them in us. Part of that is also in the body of Christ, not strictly as individuals like us and God by ourselves. We, we strengthen and nurture and, and encourage each other. And, and my prayer is that we'll continue to do that. And uh, I think my time is more than up. <laughs> so let me, let me say a very brief prayer and uh, we'll go. Father God, uh, yeah, we, we simply come to you uh, uh, with nothing that we're bringing to you. And just ask that you would help us uh, to receive. Receive from you humbly, obediently, and in a trusting way. And we, we, we are assured and confident that you'll continue to do that work Whatever our age, whatever our, 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 how long we've known you, you'll continue to be faithful in bringing us along the way. We thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, yeah. Jonathan. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. Thank you. Um, my management reminds